And welcome back to another episode of the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, alongside my always great and consistent co-host, Jonah Tolls. Jonah, a lot has happened since our last episode, but first I have to ask you, how's everything going with you, man? Man, I got to tell you, it's it's interesting because, like I said, you know, the you know, college football playoffs over, and now we got the Senior Bowl next week. A lot of things going on. That LSU-Clemson game, man. What a wild ride that was. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see that in the next 10 years. The next two number one overall picks going at it like that, man. That was fun to watch. The Senior Bowl, man, I'm excited for it. Definitely. And just to give you guys a little bit of a rundown of what we're going to discuss today, I'm going to give you a quick recap of what we thought from the national title game, some prospects that stuck out to us the most. And then we're going to go ahead and move forward with the Senior Bowl with our offensive preview today. Tomorrow's show will focus more on defense with the senior bowl. So with that being said, your overall thoughts from the title game, who are some prospects that really stuck out to you? And of course I have to give kudos to you just because you picked LSU to win it. And you were right about that. Even though Minnesota was not playing in this game, (laughs) like you originally picked, Right. I'm always, I'm never going to let you forget that, but LSU did come out (laughs) with the victory. Uh, There were plenty of guys that were phenomenal, but who stuck out to you the most in this game? Uh, Man, I got to tell you, if you don't think Isaiah Simmons is a top five player in this NFL draft, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this he fits everything of what today's NFL defense is. It's positionless football, very similar to how the NBA you know, kind of switched to positionless basketball with the stretch four, stretch five, and all that. The, the NFL is kind of doing the same thing with the nickel defenses. So your linebackers have to move like safeties. Your safeties have to move like corners. And your corners move around inside and out. So it's, you know, I think he fits that everywhere. Because he could play safety. He could play slot corner. He could play edge rusher, any linebacker spot. This is a guy that is going to be a chess piece and a dream for any defensive coordinator in today's NFL. I got to tell you, this guy's speed, his power, his ability to finish. I don't think there's anything this guy can't do. Like if, if you think about his weaknesses, it's that he doesn't have like one legit spot. I mean, but and that's also his biggest strength. So uh, to me, Isaiah Simmons, clearly a top five player in this class. And if you remember Thomas Davis coming out of college, kind of a safety linebacker, similar kind of player. I think Isaiah Simmons has that same Pro Bowl potential as Thomas Davis did when he came out of Georgia. So this is gonna be a really interesting guy to watch because I think there's a chance the Giants could take him at number four, if not the Lions at number three. This guy has this is upside, and I think his talent is through the roof and that was on display totally against LSU even though the Clemson lost Isaiah Simmons probably the biggest winner of this game I agree and I mean he was all over the field man I put up a tweet that actually was I actually was tallying his game as far as the positions he played through the first three drives and it was just incredible to see the different variations of positions that he was playing and that's exactly how you have to employ Isaiah Simmons he's what we like to call a positionless prospect he played defensive end played inside linebacker outside linebacker slot corner and even outside corner in those first three drives alone so that just goes to show you the type of versatility that he has and what he brings to the table so I'm a big fan of Isaiah Simmons there's no way he gets out of the top eight picks Especially now with Luke Keekley retiring from the Carolina Panthers, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they end up yep. selecting him at seven. I think that would be a really good fit for him. So we'll see where we'll see where he does end up going. But one guy that really stuck yep. out to me on Carolina, ahead, something to add to that. on Carolina real quick. Carolina's gonna be a team that's gonna be trade down watch because that's where all the quarterbacks are gonna be going, and they have a lot of the needs. Offensive line, yeah. 
uh, possibly a quarterback, linebacker, secondary help. Watch for the Panthers to be a trade-down spot. I love that you mentioned Simmons there because of the Keegley retirement. Don't be surprised if they're a team that strips it all the way down to the studs, similar to what Miami mm. did. And I say that because if you think about everywhere, Matt Rule has been Temple, Baylor, and all these other programs that he has been a part of, the first thing that he has done is establish the culture. And how he has done that, he's weeded out the bad attitudes and guys that didn't necessarily buy in. Mm. And he wants to brand his team exactly how he wants it. So don't be surprised. We all know that David Tepper, the owner, He's big into analytics. We see the whole Sashi Brown movement and how they collected picks with the Cleveland Browns. So don't be surprised if he takes a similar mold. And Matt Rule, he took over a 1-11 Baylor team. Don't be surprised if the Panthers are one of those teams that are really bad this year and they position themselves into a Trevor Lawrence or something like that if they do end up trading mm. Cam Newton. So we'll see what does happen with that situation. But don't be surprised if they're a team that tries to strip it down to the studs as far as trading away all of their talent in order to stockpile picks. I think they're a team that is a prime candidate to do that. So don't be surprised if they do that. But if they do take an alternate route as far as keeping their players and they still end up embracing being bad, I don't think they're going to be like a uh, you know, a 3-13 and 13 team or anything like that. I don't think they're going to be that bad if they, do, if they do end up keeping Cam Newton. But it wouldn't surprise me if they do embrace the tank going into 2021. So with that being said, the one guy that did impress me in this game was Kalevon Chason. And it's mm -hmm. not always going to show up in the box score with him, but he was fantastic getting to the quarterback. And he was just a couple inches away from sacking Trevor Lawrence on multiple occasions, but he wreaked havoc on every single down that I was paying attention to him. And it wasn't just as a pass rusher. He had an effect as a run defender, a run defender as well. And that's something that we have talked about in previous episodes is that there's this false stigma out there about him is that he's just a speed rusher, a guy that just gets up the field, and that's the only value that he brings to the table. And we talked about the Florida game. We talked about the Mississippi State game, and we talked about the Alabama game as three games that really show how well and how versatile of a run defender that he really is. And I thought he once again showed that in this game. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that really blows up. I don't want to say blow up at the combine, but he tests really well, and he positions himself to be a bona fide top 20 pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm all the way with you on Chase on. I think he's a top 20 pick if he ends up, like, doing well the combine, his medicals check out and everything. But his tape is phenomenal. You mentioned it. He's not just a speed rusher. When you watch him on film, man, this guy is one of the best run-defending edge defenders in this entire class. And I, I believe, you know, he uses his length really well. With a lot of guys who have length and athleticism like Chase on, they don't always maximize it. But when you watch the games, whether it's South Carolina, you watch it against Florida, you watch it against Alabama, and then against Clemson here, Against the best competition, this guy just shows up, you know, snap after snap. I'm a big fan of his. I think I've said it time and time again, I think he's Anthony Barr coming out of UCLA. And whether a team wants to, you know, move him to like like Barr as a stand-up outside linebacker or as a guy who just rushes the passer, I, I'm, I'm with it either way. I think this guy has high football IQ, and he has obviously great athletic traits. I'm all the way in on Chase on. But another matchup I want to ask you about was T. Higgins versus Christian Fulton. Because this was, I think, the highlight one-on-one -on -one matchup of the entire game. Uh, we don't get to see much of this in college football. But when we do, draft-eligible prospect on draft-eligible prospect, I think this one was nip and tuck. What, what are your thoughts on that matchup? It was a really good back-and-forth battle. And I thought they targeted Fulton very early on. And we saw T. Higgins, I believe it was on the reverse, where he just absolutely ran through Fulton and ended up scoring the touchdown. But outside of that, 
I thought T. Higgins really had his way with him, and I thought Fulton really struggled in this game. And it, it just goes back to some of the things that we talked about, the play strength. That's one area where I think he needs to improve on a lot. And you just saw it in this game. He's just not really a strong guy. And T. Higgins already isn't a strong guy either. And he was able to outmuscle him on some of these catches and even on the reverse pat or the reverse uh, carry that T. Higgins ended up scoring. He just ran right through Fulton. So just that play strength, I think that's something that he needs to improve upon. And we'll be able to see him down at the senior bowl. He's definitely a guy that I will have a red dot beside as far as to pay close attention to just because he's received plenty of first round buzz. And I still think he's going to end up being a first round selection but he has to find a way to get stronger. Yeah, I'm all the way with you on that, man. And we've talked about all podcasts since we started this thing. That's the number one thing he has to work on. That's the one main area of concern I have with Fulton is that I see a lot of people mocking him, you know, in the early first round. And I know one of our colleagues, Benjamin Solak, has him as, you know, the number one corner over Okuda. And to me, I just think that, you know, I I could see why great foot quickness. I think in terms of man matching, you know, men, Hearing, you know, click and close. This guy has from that standpoint, but there are too many times on tape where he gets big boyed at the catch point. You saw it against Clemson with T. Higgins, against Texas with Colin Johnson. You saw it a couple times against Vanderbilt. This is a guy that I think, you know, when he has to turn and run vertical and contest the catch point, that's where I have my main concern. And it's not just that, like, I think he plays the ball well when he's attacking underneath and clicking and closing, because I think he uses his length pretty well in terms of slants, curls, and all that. But when he's on a vertical route, he has to jump and elevate at the catch point. That's where I think he gets in a little bit of trouble because I think he has a little bit of trouble finding the ball over his shoulder, playing with his back to the ball, and then, you know, getting boxed out by those bigger wide receivers. And you saw that against Higgins in this national championship game. And I urge you to watch the Texas game against Colin Johnson. Because Colin Johnson on multiple reps did the same sort of thing Higgins did, you know, this Monday. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the grades are folding across the league because I think other – Cornerbacks like C.J. Henderson, uh, Jalen Johnson, Trayvon Diggs. These are guys, possibly even Damon Arnett. These are guys that I think the NFL could be higher on than Fulton. So it's going to be interesting to see where Fulton ranks in this cornerback class across the NFL. I'm 110% with you on that. And I'm so glad that he's participating in the Senior Bowl just because we've all talked about, we both talked about how there's really very similar molds as far as the receivers in this event. Antonio Gandy Golden, Michael Pittman, Denzel Mims, yes. uh, Colin Johnson, Brian Edwards. All of Denzel these guys Mims. are really Denzel Mims. All of these guys are really the well, outside of Mims, they're really the guys that really struggle to separate and they're more reliant on the boxing out and jump ball type of throws. That's really where they make their money or where they where their but where their bread is buttered. So we're gonna see how well Christian Fulton plays at what I like to call the moment of truth. How yep. good are his ball skills? How much does he compete and how well is he able to stay in these throwing windows with these big body receivers? Just because we just talked about the play strength and that's the area that he really does struggle. Well, now he's going to be going against these big body guys rep after rep. So the senior bowl is going to be a really good big test for him. Yep. And, you know, one of the guys he reminds me of, and I I know a lot of people are going to be, you know, a little taken aback by this, but almost like Cheeto Awuzie coming out of Colorado and what he's done for the Cowboys. Cheeto and Flashes has shown really good man matching and mirroring skills, but it all kind of falls apart from when he has to attack the catch point vertically. And I think when in terms of like where he's looking for the ball over his shoulder or getting big board at the catch point, like Fulton did it on his tape as a senior. So I'm just worried that if he doesn't fix, you know, where it gets stronger or, you know, his eye discipline at the catch point, 
I'm just worried that's what kind of player he's going to turn into. And I'm not saying, you know, that's, that's just concrete what's going to happen, but I've seen a woozy, as a Cowboys, I've seen a woozy, you know, do everything great up until the catch point for now three years now. I, I'm just worried that Fulton could be the same kind of player when we look back three years from now. Just because it's really hard to teach a guy ball skills. And right. it's just it's so hard to describe. But it's the one trait that you really can't help cornerbacks improve on is get their head around and find the ball and 100%. Flight. And that's something that just isn't with Fulton right now. And that's why I said about a month ago when we were discussing LSU yep. and their run and we were talking about the defensive players, that's the one thing that really scared me. About and you were Fulton. absolutely right. And it's just one area that you rarely see cornerbacks improve upon. So I'm going to be paying close attention to that to see if that really is a major flaw and if it's something that he can improve upon. So keep an eye on Christian you, Fulton. You touched on it. I mean, those one-on-one yeah. drills are exposure drills. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, like, the catch point. Now, here's the thing. It's a battle of opposites, right? I mean, you talk about guys who can't separate versus Christian Fulton not really great at the catch point. You got, you know, contrasting styles going up against each other. One's going to win the day. And so I, I'm really interested to see, you know, because it's, it's going to be push comes to shove for Fulton. It, it, he's not going to have nowhere to run there because he's going to get targeted one-on-one drills. Like I said, they're exposure drills. Whether you have bad hips or you have bad ball skills, one of the two, you're going to get exposed. So let's see if Fulton rises to the challenge. It's going to be fascinating to watch. So keep an eye on that Christian Fulton against some of these big body receivers that we're going to see in Mobile from. We didn't even mention Juwan Jennings and Chase Claypool, two other guys oh that really goodness. rely on boxing out and being strong. strong at the catch point. So really looking forward to those matchups. But before we dive into our senior bowl preview of the offensive side of the ball, here's a quick word from our sponsors. All right, and we are back diving fully into the Senior Bowl. I'm so excited. Me and Jonah are heading down next Monday. We will officially be in Mobile. We will touch down Monday morning, so really excited about that. This is actually our first time meeting each other in person, believe it or not. Even though our chemistry is really great, we have never <laughs> met each other in person. So really excited to get or catch back up with for the sure, team, sure. specifically Jonah, just to share back and forth our notes. We're going to have some really good uh, instant reactions for you guys all next week. We're going to re- be recording a live show on Thursday, I believe it is. So really excited about that. But let's talk about some offensive guys. And the way we're going to format this for you guys is we're going to go position by position. Of yep. course, we're going to start at the top with my favorite position, quarterbacks, man. And I have a quarterback preview up right now on the draft network going by player by player just diving deep into each one of their qualities and what they bring to the table so just going to rule off the guys that are actually participating in the event for you guys the quarterbacks we have of course at the top justin herbert the quarterback from oregon we have jalen hurts the quarterback from oklahoma uh, jordan love from utah state steven montez from colorado shea patterson from Michigan, and then rounding it out with Anthony Gordon from Washington State. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the three people that I'm looking forward to seeing in this in this event. I'm going to have close eyes on Herbert Hurts and also Love, but I want to get a good look at Anthony Gordon as yep. well just because I haven't dived deep into his film as far as uh, some detailed games from this year, but I've heard some really good things about him. He's actually one guy I'm going to have the film loaded up on on the plane. I want to check him out just to sit yep. down and focus on his film a little bit. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on Anthony Gordon. But, of course, you know, the apple of my eye is going to be Jordan Love, man. He's the one guy I'm going to have very close eyes on just because I think this is an event that is set up for him to succeed. Just because you're going to be playing with foreign targets, of course, 
But you're, he's going to be playing with much better people that he played with this year. And even in his career, we all know that he didn't play with the best weapons at Utah State and the Mountain West. And they really struggled with drops last year. And that's not to make an excuse for his really poor decision-making from time to time. But he really did struggle with a lot of drops from his supporting cast. But you have these guys that he's going to be able to throw up to that we talked about in the first segment when we were discussing Christian Fulton. And I think he can have some success with these guys. But what everybody wants to see from Jordan Love is decision-making. Is 2018, was that really fool's gold or was that really who he was? In 2019, we know he was just so Jekyll and Hyde as far as his decision making. He'd reel you in with making an amazing throw, but then he'd come back and make a boneheaded throw where he just didn't see underneath coverage. So just figuring out who exactly the real Jordan Love is, that's what I'm going to be paying attention to the most from the quarterbacks in this event. Yeah, and I got to tell you, whenever GMs and coaches, it's, for some GMs and coaches, it'll be the first time, first live viewing of Jordan Love. And the old saying is that, you can't judge a quarterback prospect until you see him live because that arm strength is different when you watch him live than on the, you know, on the screen. And I think that's the one thing that's going to immediately jump out is how much spin comes off, you know, the ball when he ever love gets off his hand. I mean, this guy throws with such velocity, his arm strength just doesn't wane when he's on the run, different arm angles. I, I remember Josh Allen, you know, a couple of years ago in Mobile when I was down there, it, the ball just came off his hand different than the rest of the quarterbacks there. And I think that just immediately jumps off. And that's what's good. Like you said, love th- this event is just designed for him to, su- to succeed because he doesn't have to read coverage. It's just a lot of one-on-one looks. So this week of practices, it's, it's going to be very vanilla when we get to the game as well. So this is going to be, this could be a showcase for love and this could be a chance for him to really boost his stock. I, I, I've said this about all-star games in the past too. You can't lose from an all-star game. I think you can only gain because like you said, foreign weapons, this is a, you know, a coaching staff you haven't, you don't even know an installed playbook. This is something that you can't really lose from, but you can definitely gain from. And Love is a prime example of what you can gain from. And another guy I want to mention is, you know, potential winners is Anthony Gordon. Because this guy, this is, I mean, you, you talk about who you want to watch the film on the plane. This is a guy that is a lot more, I think, NFL rated than people give him credit for. I know Washington State, Mike Leach, air raid scheme, all that. Like He has a big opportunity to show NFL coaches and scouts that, He's not just a system guy, because if he can throw with anticipation, he can, you know, because I think that's one of the biggest, you know, concerns about playing an air raid is that everyone's open. You have open windows, easy reads and all that. If he can throw with anticipation, throw in closed windows, I believe with Anthony Gordon come out of this event as the biggest winner of the quarterback group. This guy has elite accuracy in the short to intermediate game, and this guy has a, those are really pretty deep balls as well. So if he can really show off that pinpoint ball placement and he can show that he's not a system guy, man, he could really rise in his quarterback class as well. He's that late-round guy that you would love to take a chance on, similar to oh, what we saw 100%. out of Gardner Minshew last year, who I thought I thought Minshew played well at this event last year, and even though a lot of people didn't really know exactly who he was coming to the event. And, I mean, some other guys outshined him. Of course, all the attention was on Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, but – Minshew really shined bright in this event last year, and I love the leadership qualities that he showed from the first day. And Jim Nagy tweeted about this, I I believe it was before the first practice, the first day that all the players got there. The one player that got the centers and the quarterbacks together was Minshew, just because quarterback-center exchange is so important, just because some of these guys have never taken under center reps. And then, of course, you've never felt or had the chemistry with 
these centers just because you haven't played with them. So Gardner Minshew getting those guys together in the hotel room lobby uh, uh, prior to the first day of practice, I thought that showed a lot of leadership qualities. And I think even though they went to the same school and they played in the same system, I think Anthony Gordon brings the same type of skill set to the table and the same type of ceiling as well. Now, you've watched him a little bit more than me, so just just harp on him a little bit. And what's some positive things that you, that you saw from film from watching him? Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things with a lot of people think of air raid quarterbacks, Washington State, Gardner Minshew, people don't think Anthony Gordon has a lot of arm strength. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. This guy this guy throws with velocity. This guy is not afraid of throwing the tight windows. This guy's not your typical air raid quarterback. And I think he's going to show people that at the senior bowl. I think he's going to turn a lot of heads there. And I think if he can show that he can pick up, you know, playbooks fast, pick up coaching, I think coaches are really going to fall in love with this guy because this guy is fearless on tape. He's not your typical air raid guy. So watch for him. But another guy I want to mention is Jalen Hurts because this guy has another chance to rise. I hope – we talked about, uh, I think, a couple, a couple of podcast episodes earlier before, but I want to see him in different positions. And I'm not saying, you know, play him at wide receiver exclusively or none of that. I just want to see him move around a little bit because I think he could be this Taysom Hill kind of player, whereas, you know, if he's not ready to play quarterback right away in the NFL, you can use him in other ways where he can be productive. I'm not saying he's not going to be a you know a potential star at quarterback because I think he could develop into one in the right scheme. But if you want to maximize, I think his production, you could use him in a Taysom Hill kind of role where sometimes he runs the ball, sometimes he catches the ball. I want to see him you know used in different ways here at the event. I think that could really boost his stock if you could show that kind of versatility. Definitely, he should be open to that at this event just because. You don't want to shy away from scouts asking you to maybe not play just strictly quarterback, but if they ask you to take some reps at running back or wide receiver, I think you should go do it, similar to what Braxton Miller did at this event a couple years ago. I think he could showcase himself in a similar light. Now, I don't think Jalen is as athletic as what Braxton Miller was or as twitchy as what Miller was coming out, but I think he could show well if he does just accept being a master of all and just playing those various positions, I think it could help his stock a little bit just in case. There's there's going to be some teams that don't have him on their board as a quarterback, and I think I which is completely that. fair. And that's not a knock against Jalen. I think he had or he made tremendous strides during his final season at Oklahoma, but there's just going to be some teams that are just so hesitant with him as far as playing quarterback, and they're going, they're going to want to see exactly what he can do at various positions. Yeah, and I think one of the misconceptions is I think a lot of people are mocking him in the first, second round. I don't think the NFL views him that way. I think no, the either. NFL views him more as a mid to late round guy. Yeah. I think the media is a lot higher on Hurts than the NFL is. So I think, you know, when you see him in first, second round mocks, kind of be hesitant towards that because I don't think the NFL views him as a true, like, potential starter in the league in the NFL. I think they want to see him as a developmental guy and see what happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. When Hurts is at his best is when he's outside the pocket or making plays with his feet. And I think that's where, you know, that dynamic athleticism comes into play. Some teams will, you know, have him as a running back on most boards. Some teams will maybe have a slot receiver. You don't know. But I think you can use him in that Taysom Hill kind of role. I think the NFL saw Taysom Hill almost single-handedly beat the Vikings in the wild card round. I think teams (laughs) are going to start. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I got to tell you, I think teams are paying attention to that. Uh, You know, Sean Payton, if Sean Payton can do it, why can't I? You know, I think some offensive coordinators want to do that. And uh, Jalen Hurts seems like a guy who can be that next Taysom Hill kind of player. And a lot of people mock Taysom Hill early on in his career. But, you know, whenever he showed up big in the playoffs, showed up big and late in the season, a lot of people aren't making fun of him anymore. And I think, you know, the Saints are really smart for how they use them. I think Hurts can be used the same kind of way. 
Definitely. I'm really interested to see exactly what happens with this quarterback group and who really separates themselves. And we didn't even really touch on Justin Herbert, who actually is the star or seen as the star of the group. So really excited to see Herbert as well. I think this is another guy that can really shine at this event and cement himself as a top 10 selection as long as he goes out and proves exactly what he can do. So really excited to see all of these guys, but I will have a very close eye on Love Herbert and of course Hurts, and of course I will be paying attention to Gordon as well. So I want to transition to the running back group, and just like any other position, I'm going to go or give you a rundown of the players in this actual event. So for the running backs, we have Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, LaMichael Piron from Florida, Josh Kelly from UCLA, Jamichael Hasty from Baylor, Darius Anderson from TCU, and then rounding it out with Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. So I'm not as high on this group as some of the other people in the draft Twitter community just because I don't really see the star power in this group as far as a guy being a lead bell cow guy. And I know the NFL has really transitioned to more of a committee type of of approach, but you talk about guys like DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne, those guys, maybe that could be that 1A type of rusher. I see more of a 1B and maybe spot starter type of, of, of rusher in this group. You know, Benjamin probably is the one guy that maybe could be that lead guy in a bunch. But I'm excited to see Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, I'm really excited about him. Just I think he has a, he has a playing style that really translates uh, well to zone schemes just because he can hit the gas and accelerate really well, and he can cut on the dime and make people miss in space as well. LaMichael Piron, a guy that's really a master of none, but just really consistent, really love his story as well. Eno Benjamin, of course, really excited to see him as well, uh, just to see him in a controlled environment, going against these linebackers in space just because he has those quick feet that you're looking for, and I think his vision is fantastic as well. So want to get your input on this, just your overall temperature on this running back group and who really do you expect to stand out the most? Man. And you talk about a lot of the top guys here. And like you said, I'm not as big on this class either in terms of the senior bowl running backs, but there are a lot of sleepers to keep an eye on. My favorite of the bunch is Antonio Gibson from Memphis. Now I don't don't know if you've watched this guy, Jordan or not, but this guy is a bona fide stud. Six two, 200 pounds plays running back slot receiver, outside receiver, whatever it is. Reminds me a lot of Tony Pollard, actually, from last year. You know, playing all over the place, kind of offensive chess piece, using wherever. Great speed, contact balance. And this guy's a big chance to shine, I think, in the one-on-one running back, linebacker, you know, passing drills. So I think that's where a lot of these players can separate themselves. Is you don't really have a great look at, you know, running drills and practice throughout the week unless you get into team stuff or even the game. But where a lot of these running backs can separate themselves is in these passing drills. Because as we know in the NFL, passing game is king. And a lot of these running backs, that's how they can make the field make a roster. And Antonio Gibson, to me, I think he's going to stand out as the best receiver of this bunch by far. And this guy played almost exclusively some slot receiver for Memphis in some games this year, while sometimes spelling at running back. So watch him. But another guy I want to mention is Jamichael Hasey from Baylor. This guy has some juice. He's elusive, the guy who can catch balls, you know, in the flats and whatnot. I want to see him in these one-on-one linebacker drills, you know, where if he can, you know, run some good routes and all that. Because I think that's where he can obviously separate himself with that elusiveness and quickness against some of these, you know, let's see, against some of these linebacker prospects. So I think Hasty and Gibson are the two guys I want to watch as potential risers because of their pass-catching skill sets. 
really excited about this group. And I hate that I didn't mention Antonio Gibson. I skipped right over his name, so apologies to him. He actually was the last running back listed on the roster that I have right now. Another guy that I'm playing catch-up on. So I will be sure to have his film loaded up on my ride uh, on the plane. So excited to get the not only Anthony Gordon, but also Antonio Gibson as well. So really will be keying in on him as well, just because he seems like a guy that really isn't necessarily just a running back, but you can line him up all over the field from what you're saying. Yeah, and, and Jordan, let me let me list some stats to you about Gibson this year. 19 yards a catch this season, 11.2 oh, wow. yards per rush, and 28 kick return yards per kick return. This Love guy it. is a versatile Value. weapon, man. Value. I got to tell you, every time he touches the ball, a good thing happens. So I'm a big fan of Gibson. You know, talk about positionless football. This is what this guy provides. And I think that's why he's going to be an impactful player year one because he has that positional flexibility. It seemed like the Patriots, man, just comes to mind where they could use these guys. The Saints, you know, that love this kind of versatility position flex. Gibson's going to get drafted a lot higher than people think just because of that athleticism and position flexibility. Very similar to Tony Pollard when he got drafted a lot earlier than people thought in the fourth round by the Dallas Cowboys. Just put a dot beside his name. I'm probably going to go end up watching him tonight just because I'm really excited about hearing those Dude, numbers he, and, he and is, value. He's one of my favorite running backs in this entire class. I'm just going to put it out there right now. I think he might be a top 100 player on my board. He's that good. Definitely going to check him out. So uh, we got through quarterbacks. We got through running backs. And we're going to take a quick break here. On the flip side of the break, we're going we're gonna to go through the tight end group and also wide receiver group. And then we'll finish up with the offensive line. So with that being said, here's another quick word from our sponsors. All right. And we are back to discuss the tight end group. A group that I think is sneakily good, and I say that just because you have some big names in this group. You have Bryson Hopkins, you have Jared Pinkney, and you also have a guy who I'm a big fan of who I think is going to be a tremendous riser in Harrison Bryant from Florida, yep. Florida Atlantic. So just to give you a quick rundown of the names that are actually playing in the event, Adam Troutman from Dayton, who is definitely a big-time sleeper. Portland State tight end Charlie Tamopu, I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, a yep. guy who made my top 10 small school prospects. LSU's Steven Sullivan, who is more of a wide receiver mold. Vanderbilt's Jared Pinckney. Michigan's Sean McKeon. Purdue's Bryson Hopkins. Uh, Cincinnati's Josiah DeWarga. And then FAU's Harrison Bryant. So I think this is a really talented group. And I think of any position, this might actually be the best, in my opinion, as far as mm. offense. Just because you have Hopkins, you have Troutman. You have Harrison Bryant, and who is the other? And Pinkney. That was the other. That was the other name that I'm missing. A guy, four guys that are really seen is probably, I believe, probably early round guys. I, I think it's fair to say all those guys definitely could be selected prior to the fourth round. I think that's very fair to say. And what I'm really interested in seeing is that who separates themselves in this group. Yep. Not only as a, we know what all of them can do as a pass catching threat, but who separates themselves as a blocker as well, just because. Teams love to see how versatile these guys are, but also who can separate as far as from coverage just because we have some really athletic linebackers playing in this event, and we'll get to some of those guys in our Friday show. But with Troutman, uh, I think he's a consistent 4-6 guy, and the same goes for Bryant and also um, who was the other guy that I talked about, uh, Troutman, uh, Bryant, Pinkton. and Pinkton. Yeah, I think it's fair to say both all three of those guys really are 4-6 to 4-7 guys. But then you have Hopkins, 
who is probably more along the lines of a high four five to low four six guy. I think he's probably the fastest of the bunch. So I want to see who can consistently separate, but also who can prove to be a consistent blocker as well. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a loaded tight end class at the Senior Bowl, and you know, it- it's it's crazy because save for you know you know Cole Komet, Notre Dame, and Hunter Bryant, I gotta tell you, this is like. Basically, the top of the entire tight end class right here in Mobile. You know, Jared Pinkney, Bryson Hopkins, Harrison Bryant, Adam Troutman. Each of those four guys could make a claim to be the number one or number two tight end on most boards, depending on how they play in Mobile, because their tape is really good. Pinkney, to me, what, he was my preseason top tight end. I think he'll be one of the top tight ends on most teams' boards because he, I think he's a great athlete, extremely flexible, and really, I think, I think he's going to really gonna, you know, flex his muscles at the catch point here at this event. One on one, go against linebackers, safeties. I think Pinkney's really going to stand out with his with his athleticism and ability to win at the catch point. And I think he's a much better blocker than people are getting credit for. He's one of those guys to be a classic case of better NFL player than college player. Because at Vanderbilt, he was kind of I think held back by a lack of quarterback play, play calling yeah. off and all that. This guy has a lot of NFL traits, and don't be surprised if he's the top ten on most teams' boards because of all the traits I just mentioned and how the NFL is moving towards. You know, we want more of those move tight end. Pinkney kind of fits that mold. Um, you talk about Harrison Brunt, Adam Troutman, two smaller school guys that I think can really stand out. You both said four, six, four, seven guys. You know, they're just tremendous, you know, pass catchers. Bryant is a great route runner. Played some of his best games against the best competition. Ohio State really stands out to me. Adam Troutman, same kind of thing. Former basketball player. You can definitely see that, you know, going for a catch point like a rebound. I'm a big fan of both those guys. And I know both those guys the NFL really likes. So keep an eye on Bryant and Troutman. Bryson Hopkins, to me, is the one I really want to you know, keep an eye on because I know he's athletic and I know he can really move. I just don't know if I can really trust him as much as these other guys at the catch point or separating with routes. I think he's more of an athlete playing football right now, more as a football player maximizing his athleticism. So I want to see if he can really put it all together in this one week because I think he has a lot of potential I still want to see him put it all together in one in, in one consistent year of tape. And to me, I just didn't see that at Purdue. So I I think he has some of the best traits in his tight end class. I'm just worried about his learning curve being a little steeper than the rest of this class. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as him being more, more of an athlete than a football player right now, just because I think he's really raw as far as a route runner. And I know he put up career numbers last year or in his final year as a senior, but he still seems to be raw in some aspects as far as a route runner, and he really does struggle to bend at times as well just because he has a slinky and linear built type of body, so he really doesn't bend a whole bunch, and it really hurts him as far as a route runner getting in and out of break. So I want to see how well of a route runner that he is and just right. how athletic he is as well. But keep an eye on Adam Troutman, man. I keep saying it. Yep. And if you get a chance to watch him, go watch him against Jacksonville. He had four touchdown catches in that game. It was a school <laughs> record. Unreal. And he was just climbing the ladder over everybody. But also, he has that thick body. But he puts you in the mold of, now, I'm not saying he's going to turn into this guy, but he's really built like prime Jason Witten, a guy that really didn't get a whole bunch of separation, but he's just a really savvy route runner. And he's able to climb the ladder. He can buys guys out and attack the ball out of the air as well. So I'm really excited to see Adam Troutman in action as well. And this is something you always worry about with these small school guys is that, 
how will they adjust to the speed of the game? Just because they haven't seen guys in the SEC in that type of speed. And that's some of the speed that he's going to be matched up in in Mobile. So how how is he able to adjust or how quickly is he adjust able to adjust to the speed of the game? So keep an eye on Troutman and just how well he adjusts to the speed of the game. Man, I got to tell you, there's another guy I want to see in this, in this tight end group, and he's playing in wide receiver class here. It's Chase Claypool. You know, 6'4", 230 pounds. Yeah. I think he fits exactly today's NFL tight end as opposed to wide receiver. I don't think – see, I think he's purely an X wide receiver at the next level. And today's offense, you want as much position flexibility as possible. I think if you want to really maximize this guy's skill set, I think he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. He's a monster after the catch. And this guy, I think, can dominate over the seam in the NFL, man. I, I just want to see him against these linebackers, safeties. I at least want to see him mix reps. I don't. I don't. I know it's not realistic to expect him to see go full tight end here, but I want to see him at least go half wide receiver, half tight end because I think his true home in the NFL is to put on five to ten pounds and move to this move tight end role. We've seen guys like Mark Andrews, you know, go from who didn't block at all at Oklahoma, who was basically a slot receiver, become the best tight ends in the NFL because of what he's asked to do. I think Paul can be that same kind of player, you know, the guy who's you know, like I said, a monster after the catch, like a rebounder power forward at the catch point. I just want to see him be a mismatch guy at the NFL level. And I think that's more so a tight end than a wide receiver for me at the NFL. I think his best ball is ahead of him just because he wasn't allotted a lot of opportunities at Notre Dame, but he really, he really shined in what he was asked to do. Now, what I love about him is that he provides that value, like you talked about with Antonio Gibson, not only on just his just his just his uh his distinct role as a running back but he provides value on special teams he's gonna be he's gonna run down right. and kick off he's gonna he, he can probably be on the shield on the one team just because of how he's built he, he can run down and kick off he just can play so many different things and i think that's something that's going to stand out and i say this on every podcast that i'm on the one thing that you noticed about terry mclaurin it was nothing he did as a receiver it was yep. what he did on special teams. The way he ran down as a gunner, I wrote that down in my notebook just because that's the first time that I actually noticed exactly who he was just because I had not studied Terry McLaurin at all going into the senior bowl. But I wrote down his number and I looked at the roster and I went back and watched his film just because of what he was doing on special teams. And what you see a lot of times with these all-star games or these postseason uh, all-star, all-star events is that these guys don't necessarily take the special teams drills to heart. And that's what you noticed about Terry McLaurin. And I think that's exactly what you're going to get from Chase Claypool as well. So really yeah, excited to sure. see Claypool. I got to tell you, man, and don't sleep on these punt gunner drills, man, especially when you see a wide receiver, because that's very similar to going up against press coverage. Yeah. So you have to, you know, work on that release package, man. That's why Terry McLaurin, so, oh, wow, he's such a great rounder, such a great, you know, guy who gets clean off the line of scrimmage. It's because he has so much experience as a punt gunner that he has, he faces press coverage basically every drive. So this is a guy that is so much experience against that kind of coverage. Uh, Claypool's the same kind of way. So it's going to be really interesting to see who is out there for punt coverage and who succeeds because that could be a really good tell of whoever, you know, faces press coverage a lot. And special teams, like you said, really valuable. You know, a lot of these guys are going to be late-round guys anyways. And if you want to make a roster become drafted, special teams are going to have to be your calling card. We've seen a lot of fourth, fifth-round, sixth-round picks get cut you know, from the 53-man 53, 53 roster in August because they can't play special teams. 
So this is going to be a big thing I think coaches are watching in terms of who's willing to step into those special teams drills, who's willing to take those seriously. Definitely. And then that's a perfect segue to what we wanted to discuss next with this wide receiver group. So just giving a quick rundown of the players that are actually playing in the event from a wide receiver standpoint, we have James Prochet, the wide receiver from SMU. We have Michael. He is. He is Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Denzel Mims from Baylor. Kalijah Lipscomb from Vanderbilt. Colin Johnson from Texas. Jawan Jennings from Tennessee. Van Jefferson from Florida. KJ Hill from Ohio State. Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, Devin DuVernay from Texas, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, and then Courtney Davis from Texas A&M. A really, really interesting group. And I think there's kind of a cluster as far as the big body guys like Gandy-Golden, Edwards, Claypool, uh, Johnson, also Jennings. And then you have your natural separators like a Denzel Mims, Kalijah Lipscomb, Van Jefferson, KJ Hill, Brandon Ayuk, and Courtney Davis. So what I want to see is exactly what we talked about with the tight ends is that who can separate in this group? Just because we've talked about it over and over and over again. Separation is king in the NFL. If you cannot create separation, there's no way you're going to be a productive or reliable threat as far as a receiving option in the NFL. And I think guys like Van Jefferson, uh, KJ Hill, and also Brandon Ayuk. I think of all those three guys, I think we probably could be talking about them the most just because of how well they separate, especially Van Jefferson. If you go back and watch the LSU game, I love what he brought to the table, and I thought he did some really good things both against both Fulton and Stingley in that game. But the one guy that I'm looking forward to the most in this game is Brandon Ayuk, just because mm. I think he brings an explosiveness dynamic after the catch that none of these guys can bring to the table. And even prior to the catch point, I love what he brings to the table as far as a route runner, but he does struggle with those outbreaking routes. I think they get kind of dull in a sense just because his pad level does swell a little bit. But his calling card is those in-breaking routes, specifically those slant routes. He seems so comfortable with that. And then we know he's a return specialist, and that's exactly what he turns into after he catches the ball at the catch point. So really looking forward to seeing Ayuk. And I think if I had to bet right now, I think he probably would be the highest draftee of these guys just because I think he definitely has a chance. Yep. If he has a really successful event, I think he could be a top 40 pick. Yeah, and I think don't sleep on Brian Edwards of South Carolina. I, I watched this guy's tape, and I thought, okay, I expected coming into it, I thought just a big-bodied receiver who really can't separate. This guy's a lot faster than I gave him credit for. This guy, he had a play against Missouri against Marcus Acey. He took a slant and went 80 yards to the house. I mean, this guy is as legit burners. I mean, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a 4 or 5 guy. He's a linear guy. I want to see him turn, you know, you know laterally and so he can separate there. But in terms of, you know, getting vertical and stuff, like, I think he has some legit speed. And I think he's a lot – I think the NFL is going to be a lot higher on him than me is right now. You know, I, I think just his skill set, his size and everything. Reminds me a little bit of Kenny Galladay when he came out in Northern Illinois. And Brian Edwards, to me, has a chance to really rise, whether it's, you know, showing off his route running, his speed over the top, or just his ability to win at the catch point. We all know him for that. So watch for Brian Edwards in his wide receiver class. I think he could really stand out. But there's another guy I want to mention here, and it's Corden. Davis from Texas A&M. This guy probably played primarily in the slot. Very good route runner, very shifty, elusive. But this guy is fast. This guy is going to blow people away with his speed. I've seen a lot of people say he's not fast. He's more of a 4-5, four, 4-6 four, guy. This guy's a legit 4-4 four, four dude. And this guy's going to, I think, he could expose some of these corners. And 
to me, I think he's the guy that I want to watch the most because primarily the slot guy. How is he fair on the outside against press coverage and all that? So Courtney Davis, to me, is the guy I want to watch the most, along with Brian Edwards. Definitely excited about this group, man. And I think of any guy that you mentioned, really excited to see Courtney Davis as well. We know our good friend and loyal listener of the podcast, Footwork King. He's a guy that's been banging the table a lot for Courtney Davis just because he's a guy uh, that works out with him a lot. So really interested to see Courtney Davis just because he's another guy that is a natural separator as well. So uh, I want to transition to the offensive line group, but we have to take another quick break here. Thank you guys for sticking with us. But here's another quick word from our sponsors. All right, and we are back, and we're going to finish up talking about this offensive line group. Now, I'm not going to go through all the names just because there's a million of them playing in this <laughs> event, So, which is always a good thing. You can never have too much beef up front. But um, the, some names that I did want to go over and just run by you, Prince Tegawanogo from Auburn. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be one of the more higher-rated players For sure. uh, in this game. Josh Jones from Houston. Another name that's going to have a lot of eyes on as well. But, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention your guy. That's Matt Pert from UConn. I have a couple of guys in the OT class, man. Jones and Pert. (laughs) Definitely. So just those three guys. Of those three, who who is the one that you're looking forward to seeing the most? I'm such a huge fan of Josh Jones. I mean, this guy, what what can you say more about this guy? Four-year starter, former basketball player. You can see that with his feet. You know how I love the former basketball players that tackle. They're so nimble on their feet. Look like big old power yeah. forward centers out there. <laughs> I'm just a big fan of the guys who play multi-sports, coming out of high school and doing all that. I think it just shows off your athleticism. So if you're a young listener, make sure you try out just every sport out there. Don't just be a one-sport guy. Um, Josh Jones to me, dude, excellent feet, nimble, uh, great hips. I think he has as much upside as any of the top guys in terms of being a pass protector. I want to see him, you know, become more nasty in the run game. But this is a guy that has a legit NFL pass set. And I want to see him against guys like Darrell Taylor, Kenny Willekes, who just sent his invite. And guys who are powerful and guys who can really move. I want to see him mirror those guys and see if he can really shine. Because I think this guy has a skill set and the pedigree to really become one of the biggest risers from this event. You can talk about Matt Pert. Matt Pert's the same kind of way. Really light on his feet. NFL pass set. I want to see him mirror these other speed rushers as well. So Pert and Jones mirror the guys I want to watch the most. Wanogo is a guy who's really long. I think he has good footwork, good athleticism. But I want to see him go against power. I want to see him use his length because I think he lets a lot of defenders get into his chest a lot. Whereas I don't think he maximizes his length as much as he needs to. So I want to see him, you know, those one-on-one drills. These one-on-one drills, we said before, are exposers. You know, you don't have nowhere to run. It's you against that guy in front of you. So I want to see those three guys, but especially Jones and Pert, because they're going to be, I think, bigger competition, and they will get a little jump in speed as well off the edge in the one-on-ones. Definitely, and I have to give the small school guys some love just because, you know, that is my area of expertise for TDN, Alex Taylor, man. Now, check this out. He actually was a former basketball player at Appalachian State. My guy! I did not know that! Yes, before he was at South Carolina State. He started 2017 basketball player at Appalachian State before he OT1. transferred to South Carolina State. OT1. Don't be surprised if he's a huge riser after after this event. And we saw a guy like Titus Howard from last year. Yep. Now, I'm not saying Alex Taylor is going to be a first-round pick. I'm not saying that. But he, <laughs> he needs to gain a lot of strength. But he's every bit of 6'9". And when you see him, you're going to be like, my guy. 
this guy's a, <laughs> he, he's a freaking oak tree. <laughs> I went to see him play in person this year. He's a rim when protector. Play, when they played my alma mater, North Carolina Central, man, he was lights out in that game. And I love his length. He has those nimble feet, those skinny ankles that you love to see in these big guys just because he is a former basketball player, and he moves exactly like it. Now, on the flip side, he's still built like an NBA center, so he needs to add some <laughs> needs to add some weight on his frame, and you'll see that right away with him. So really excited for you to see him in action. I think he's going to be a huge riser after this event. So uh, another guy, I have to get to Ben Barch from St. John's, mm. another guy that we've talked about frequently on this podcast and one that I did write an article about uh, a couple months ago. So a uh, really interesting story. He came into St. John's actually as a tight end. He was down on the depth chart. And then after that point, he just noticed, he said, man, I need to beef up. He gained 60 pounds in one offseason, and he ended up being the team's starting left tackle for his last two years. So really interested to seeing him. His film was really good, but of course he's playing against Division Three competition. And he puts you in the mind very similarly to what Ali Marpet was coming out of Hobart. But I don't think he's quite as polished as what he was coming out. And I think he's definitely going to have to transition inside to tackle, just like just like Marpet did coming out of college. But as far as power, I think he definitely has that. But, of course, we haven't seen him against that upper echelon competition. So right. we know how well this interior defensive line class specifically is at the Senior Bowl. And I hate Derrick Brown is not playing in the event, of course. But you're talking about Lakey Fotu. A guy that's really gonna that's really gonna challenge him from a strength department, and there's plenty of other guys in this group as well. Raekwon Davis is another one that I expect to give him a really good challenge as well. So, really looking forward to seeing how he sizes up against this group, specifically the interior defensive line class. Yeah, and I want people to know this because these interior offensive linemen, you know, and these one-on-one drills, they're basically designed to fail. I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, they don't <laughs> right. have any help. They don't have any help on the left or right side. I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit, you know, that's why when you put out these videos of like, oh, Raekwon Davis just bull rushed Ben Barch, and, you know, back to five yards. Well, I mean, that's not really a realistic look, you know. So for these offensive line, I mean, you just want to see them show anchor. You want to see them, you know, just be able to be able to hold their own. You, you just don't want to see them get beat badly in terms of, a, you know, inside move or none of that. But as long as you don't get overpowered or you just beat with quickness off the snap, I think you're fine because I think a lot of these things, it's a lot of unrealistic expectations when you have a center, you know, going one-on-one. You're really never in a one-on-one look as a center or even as a guard most times. So I just want people to know that. But two centers I want to keep an eye on because I think two of their biggest concerns are their length or play strength. And two of the best centers in this class, actually, Nick Harris from Washington and then Matt Hennessy from Temple. Philadelphia guy. So when Nick Harris is about the length, 6'2", maybe at best, I think he may you know, clock in at 6'1", in terms of when he goes to the weigh-ins over there. But Nick Harris, to me, going with the length, Raekwon Davis, Javon Kinlaw, how's he going to go up against those guys? That's the biggest concern for me on his tape, is that sometimes he's, you know he gets defenders get into his chest because he doesn't have that length to really engage. So I want to see him, if he can hold his own with his anchor at the, at the point of attack there. Um, Matt Hennessy, same kind of thing. I think the biggest concern with him is play strength. One of the best things about his game is his ability to reach block and fluidity, flexibility there. The NFL is really high on him. So if you if you see him as a top center on most teams' boards, don't be surprised. A lot of the NFL teams love Matt Hennessy, but the power in his game isn't as on par as a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry or even a guy like Tyler Biotish. So keep an eye on Hennessy and Harris and see if they can hold up against some of these interior defensive linemen despite some of his unrealistic one-on-one drills. 
As you can tell, we are really fired up, and it's like it's gonna be like the week, or I should say, like Christmas for us for an entire week. All uh, next oh, yeah. week, we're fired up. And once again, thank you guys for listening. That was our offensive senior bowl preview. Once again, we will be giving our Senior Bowl defensive preview on Friday's show. So, once again, that is our show for today. Thank you guys for listening. We are the Locked On College Football Podcast. I am Jordan Reed. He is Jonah Tolls. We will be back tomorrow with a full defensive preview of Senior Bowl prospects. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. Continue to leave the comments just like you have already done so. Thank you, and we will be back tomorrow.